Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. This is just awesome. The, the ball is totally rolling here. So every time we get a good guest, they recommend another guest, and then the show just gets bigger and better every week, it feels like. So today's guest is recommended by a friend of the show, Dave Dooley, who was just on the show. So she's won uh, the BC Volleyball BC Pedignant Stop. She's been a member of the NBBL Vancouver League, which is run by super best friend of the show, Ben Saxton. She's got a top 10 and a top 5 finish at the Vancouver Open, and she's a big part of the Kitsilano Women's Volleyball Club. Please welcome to the show, Jazz Kim. Jazz, thanks for doing this. Hi, yeah, no problem, Josh. Thanks for having me. So usually we like to start a timeline and just kind of fill the listeners in on our guests, but I got to skip ahead to something. So in doing some research for the show, you and Dave are so volleyball fanatic that you named your newborn Wilson. So give me the background story, because I think anyone who's a parent would probably say like naming your child is something you like you spend a lot of time on. It's a big, serious thing. And you guys decide that like you're so volleyball crazy, you're going with Wilson. Take me through that whole process. Okay, well, it, um, yeah, it was definitely something that I threw out there. Um, one day we were just, I, this was while I was pregnant, and um, we were down at um, White Rock Beach just having a stroll, and um, we're just, yeah, we have this conversation a lot. So, oh, what are we going to name our child? Blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm just like, we should name him Wilson. Like, that's such a good name. And Dave just, like, just brushes it off. Just like, there is no way I am naming my child after volleyball. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to let this one go right now. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, I think Wilson is really, it's, it's the name. It's such a good name. <laughs> and so we're like, we keep having these conversations and we throw these names out. And um, yeah, eventually Dave just comes around and he decides that he wouldn't mind the name Wilson. And uh, yeah, I I think, uh, I can't remember if we made some sort of deal where I was like, okay, if I get to name the, oh yeah, no, I got to pick the first name if he got to pick the middle name. And uh, Wilson's middle name is Patrick and that's named after Dave's late brother. Nice, nice. And I believe like I found the article on Wilson's website. Like I think they maybe put together like a swag bag and did a nice little article on their website for you guys. Yeah, Wilson Volleyball was amazing. So one day Dave just was on Instagram and he messages Wilson Volleyball, not thinking that he would get a response because he's Dave's done that before where he like messages like, I don't know, I think the last time he messaged someone famous was um, Luongo. Is that Robert? Robert Luongo? Roberto. Yeah, but everybody knows who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he messages him when they were in the playoffs, however long ago, just like being like, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. And he didn't get a response back. And so... He didn't, he hadn't had much luck reaching out to, you know, people with 
um, some sort of credibility. And uh, yeah, just just randomly reached out to them, said, hey, we're naming your child Wilson. I wonder if you could, yeah, if you'd, you could hook us up with some swag. And they messaged us back being like, you know what, let's just do an article on him. Let's do all these things. And it was during COVID, so I think they had little to write about. Um, but they, yeah, sent us this care package with like a, the um, Castaway Wilson volleyball, like a big version of it and a mini version of it. And they sent us the, the op new optics ball with a ball bag and then uh, a baby onesie and this handwritten letter that was just so awesome. Just, yeah, congratulating us. And, um, and then, yeah, they wrote our story and um, it's, it's one of their blog posts. And I get a lot of people coming up to us being like, Hey, I read your story. It's so awesome. And so, yeah, it's a good way to connect with people and uh, share a little bit about ourselves. That's so great. And and here in Ontario, we're a little bit more Mikasa driven, I think, for the youth stuff and for like the OVA Beach Tour. Was that ever in the running or you Vancouver people are really loyal to that Wilson ball? Um, so we've been up until this year, we've been using the Wilson, um, the red and white or yeah, the red and white ball. Uh, but then starting 2020, which last season was canceled because of COVID, but we were supposed we were all going to change over to the Mikasa. Um, well, volleyball BC, which is our main, um, which is our like our main volleyball beach volleyball organizers in BC, they were going to officially change over to Mikasa. And word on the street was that the fall it was only going to be the ball for maybe one or two years, and then the optics was going to take over. But I think because of COVID and everything, kind of went on a bit of a stall. Not sure when we're going to transition over, but this is the first year we're actually playing with the Macassas and volleyball BC has bought full full set of new the the blue and yellow Macassa balls. Okay, because I always thought it was super interesting at nationals. You could kind of tell the BC teams by they were warming up with I think indoor was even the Baden ball or something like that, and it was yeah. like the, I think you were the only ones using that too. Yeah, the Baden or the the Molten I think is the other main indoor ball. Um, but yeah, I let the Macassa purple and yellow indoor ball that one was that one was my favorite nice nice so back to you so nice little cool story to, to give a shout out to wilson because he is on nap and that's how we're doing this interview so thanks for you uh, rearranging your schedule but just for me and the listeners uh did you grow up in that bc area like when did you feel like volleyball became a big passion of yours and something you wanted to pursue yeah so i actually i grew up in alberta um i grew up in a small town called peace river it's like five hours north of edmonton so it's middle of nowhere, but for some reason, volleyball was real. I mean, volleyball was, is big in Alberta, but it was also very popular in um, our small town. And so I started playing indoor volleyball in grade six. Um, and uh, yeah, I was never very good, but I did. I loved it. Um, I was actually at that age better at basketball. So I remember I would always make the A team in basketball and I'd always make the B team in volleyball. And so I kind of stuck with basketball thinking, okay, and Dave's Dave's uh, family is probably going to love to hear this because they're all basketball fanatics. Um, but then, yeah, I moved around a lot uh, when I was younger. And so I missed a year of volleyball. Like I started playing club when I was in Peace River. And then we moved when I was in grade nine to Calgary. And then I missed that year of volleyball because I had joined the school too, um, yeah, joined the school too late. And then in grade 10, my family moved to Nanaimo, so on Vancouver Island. And for grade 10, 11, 12, I played indoor volleyball 
um, and it was a French immersion school and French immersion schools tend to have a history of not being very strong in the athletics department and always being strong in music and band. And so I was, I was in band and, um, I never yet took it very seriously, but I just wanted to play all the sports and, um, because our athletics department was not very strong. I was kind of, I felt like I was maybe the best at every sport, but our team never won any games. And so I don't really know what that, <laughs> what that counts for. <laughs> I was, I remember in, in, in high school basketball, we were so like, we were literally a short team and we had like, I think we had six players. So we were ha- lucky to have one sub and I would play post and do the jump ball because I was the most, um, I could jump the highest, but I wasn't the tallest by any means. And so that's how, um, yeah, that's, uh, that was the caliber of play. And so I missed a lot of, I never played any club growing up, club volleyball. And, uh, I guess I didn't take volleyball really seriously until after I graduated and I met Dave. Nice. Yeah. I think it was, uh, it's super interesting to hear your story. And it also kind of connects with Dave's where he mentioned when he coaches like a youth club team, he likes to show that like long-term athlete development, that he's still playing, that he's still enjoying it. And volleyball can be something you do for a while after. So it's interesting to hear your journey, but then like to not play club, but still be like a top 10 player at Van Open is very impressive. So uh, I got to ask, did you meet Dave through coaching, through playing in like co-ed tournaments? Like when did you guys finally connect? Yeah. So we met, so I was attending UBEC. Um, and Dave did two years at Camosun and then transferred to UVic. And so he actually, he met one of my, one of my best friends while we were living in, um, dorms on campus. And he met her through this race and was actually trying to pick her up. And (laughs) she was from Winnipeg and he was trying to get her to stay over, stay in BC for the summer. And so offered her a job working at summer camp camp pringle which is on shawnigan lake and um he offered her said hey you should have get have this job we're looking for staff members and she says oh like i'm moving back to winnipeg for the summer but i have a friend who's looking for a summer job and wanting to stay um wanting to stay in town for the summer and so that's how we got connected um i remember the first time i met dave was in the parking lot i was giving him my resume so he could drop off back when we printed things now we don't print things anymore but um so i applied for the summer camp job uh, my friend went back to winnipeg and um, dave and i started working together and that's where we met and um yeah it turned out he was trying to um yeah get me to be his girlfriend and i was like hey i'll play volleyball with you <laughs> <laughs> and uh if you teach me how to play volleyball then we can consider dating or whatever I was definitely not interested in dating because I was so young and, but I was definitely like, Oh, this guy is like, he knows what he's doing when he comes to volleyball and he's got all these connections. And so that was where I was interested. And then it all evolved from there. Yeah, so we started playing grass volleyball together in Victoria. Um, lots of, lots of, yeah, just co-ed doubles. And um, yeah, we kind of, we started, when we first started, we would kind of be down in like C or I don't even know, D pool, not ever making top division for playoffs. And then every year we just kind of steadily got better and better and better until in last year in Victoria, we were kind of the undefeated team. And so it was very much like 
like you could like we could see that our progress um from yeah just from how we were doing these tournaments and so every summer that was kind of what we did and in the winter we played a lot of volleyball and because Dave at this point was assistant coaching for the Camosun men's team he would always like we would always play against um his um uh, people like more so like the second string um Camosun men's whoever wasn't on the first line like they he would recruit them to come out and play against us and so I was always playing against guys and always playing against people who are better than me. And I think that's how that really motivated me. I'm the kind of person who like when there's a challenge, like I'm all, all game and I'm going to try my hardest to, to beat them, even if it's not realistic. And I think that kind of mindset really propelled me forward. And then obviously having Dave in my ear, it's not always great. It's uh, hard being coached by your partner. But uh, but I guess I wanted it bad enough that I was willing to to endure, um, yeah, that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I think you you might be the perfect spokesperson for this because I think uh, you spending a lot of time in the BC community. It might not seem unique for for you, but for me being in Ontario and, and I've been around the kids scene a little bit and lucky to kind of see the community there. Can you just paint us a picture about? kind of everything you just talked about that not only is there there's co-ed tournaments there's indoor there's beach there's grass there's different tiers like just just the adult scene in volleyball bc where it seems like they're when i was there at least like don't get me wrong they're super elite players but it doesn't feel like 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 the jamie broders and the maverick hatch like they have this elitism about them that they're friends with everybody and it's just a really cool connected community so just talk about like how accessible it is to play in almost every community. And like I said, there's grass, there's indoor, there's beach, there's, there's serious players. There's people who want to play in a league on a Thursday night. Like how, how inclusive is this volleyball community and how easy is it to play if you just want to go out and play volleyball? Yeah, so totally. So when I was starting out, we were, we were on the Island. And so we actually had no idea what the scene was like on the mainland. Um, So in Victoria, it was, it was so inclusive. I mean, everyone knew anybody, like the people who were playing grass leagues were playing all the indoor leagues. And um, it's kind of like you, once you started as a new player, you just get invited by one person. And then as soon as you're in, like, you know, like with leagues, everyone's always looking for a sub for whatever reason. And so you kind of figure naturally it happens where you just kind of people of your caliber start asking you to, play in their teams and you're organizing a team to put together for a tournament. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's like, a, it's really stressful at the same time as it is exciting because you're like, Oh, like, I hope I can get this person on my, t-. like, especially for indoor sixes. Cause you're like, you have to recruit five other players to play with you. But uh, yeah, in Victoria, it was so, so inclusive. And, and it's just like, no matter what level you were at, you were going to find people who were at your same level or, if you're lucky, if you got lucky like me, you were always able to play with people who are slightly better than you. And I felt like that's how I got a lot better was just constantly being challenged. Um, and then when we moved to the mainland in 2015, we moved there so that I could start studying naturopathic medicine in New West. Um, I was kind of, I was a little bit worried about what, it, how challenging it might be to kind of break into the volleyball community because I didn't know anybody really. Um, but I had, I kind of knew who the main, especially on the girls side, I kind of knew who the top dogs were because I'd played in one volleyball BC tournament because they host tournaments all over BC. And one of them is on the Island in, in Parksville. 
And that was my first ever beach tournament that I played in. And I remember seeing these girls from the, from Vancouver. It was, it was um, Kumi Chow and Joe Braun. They were playing together at the season and they were just, I just couldn't believe how good they were. And we ended up crossing over with them in playoffs. And my partner and I, who like, didn't really, we didn't really know what it meant to like train in beach volleyball. Cause we, the scene, the beach volleyball scene wasn't that big when I was living in Victoria. Um, mostly because we didn't have any, uh, like, uh, established courts. The only way we could play beach was we had a guy, we call him the godfather of Willow's beach. So Willow's beach is where we played all of our beach volleyball on the Island. And, uh, Mark Schilling is his name. And he just like, he's this guy who just after work, will go down to the beach and literally rake the sand on the beach. So this is not an established beach court. And so we have like driftwood and rocks and everything that come and sweep in every, every day. And so he would come out and rake these courts and set up these set up two beach courts at most. And we would literally be like right up against the driftwood near the, like the walkway and right up against the water on the other side. And so it's not like we had a ton of room at either. And so we kind of like, we spent more time, just as much time prepping the courts as we did playing. And so it was very much like a more of a social event where we would yeah, take our time to like prepare these courts and then, and then get as many games, as, games in as possible. Um, I got sidetracked here a little bit. Uh, and so, yeah, so moving to the mainland, I, I got lucky. I found, um, at this point, Dave and I were living with his parents in White Rock. And so that's actually quite far from Kids Beach. So without traffic, it's like a 35-minute, 40-minute drive. And with traffic, one time I got stuck in traffic and it took me two hours to get down to Kids Beach um, because of accidents and whatever. And so it's it's pretty far. Um, but anyways, I was I had joined a CrossFit gym in my neighborhood. And I met a girl there, uh, Susanna um, Susanna Volkova and she was talking, she was wearing some volleyball gear and I was like, Hey, you play volleyball. And I just kind of got talking to her and, and she, that's how I got into the beach scene. So she was like, yeah, we have a training group and this was the winter time. And so she was like, we train at six pack, which is our only indoor volleyball facility here in Vancouver. And, um, she says, yeah, we have a, a, a Sunday group and we're always looking for subs if you want to come out and play. Um, and so I was like, yes, let's, let's do it. And, um, and, and then I started playing in that group. And one day I joined their group and Kumi, Kumi Chow, who was the one girl that I had, um, previously seen in an event being like, oh my God, she's so good. And I was like, oh my God, Kumi's in this training group. This is so exciting. <laughs> and it's like this like funny fangirl moment where it's like, Kumi, I told this story to her after, after the fact, and she just laughed being like, oh, that's so funny. Like I, you know, cause she didn't really think of herself as like, as being someone that other people looked up to, but I mean, everyone looks up to Kumi. Like she is, she's one of our most hardcore, um, beach enthusiasts. Like she trains like all the time and it win probably has won the most number of events in BC, um, along with whoever she's playing with, whether it be Joe Braun or, um, Denise Whitting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was just like, wow, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna train hard and, and try to like, you know, join her training groups and, and yeah, I kind of just went from there and it was, it was very easy to, um, to get in 
and once you're in and people start knowing knowing who you are you get random people asking you to play and and it just like you just keep going from there and, and one thing that i find pretty unique about just uh the, the beach scene in bc especially is yeah, you have Volleyball BC, and, and they're going to run a bunch of events, and I think that's similar to the other provinces, but uh, between the women having uh, the KWVC and then the, the guys having the Kids Beach Association at KBVA, how important is that to the community that it feels like every weekend you guys have a chance to play some sort of competitive tournament, but I think, is it fair to say the KWVC is like run by the players? Like you're, you're a member of the board and obviously you participate in the events. Like, is that pretty player driven and it's pretty like bare bones that everybody's helping set up in the morning, everybody's getting the tournament organized and it's just a bunch of passionate people that want to compete that weekend. Totally. So yeah. So a little history there. So the K KBBA, um, which is, um, run by Jim Clive and he's got a pretty committed group of people that help him regularly, but they were, they've been running for 24 years. So Jim Clive and Shane Donan um, were the first, were the originals at Kids Beach who literally put the first posts in at Kids Beach and, and made it what it is today. Um, so they would go down to California and in Santa Barbara, they, they had what they called challenge court where they would just have a court where people would put their names down and, and challenge whoever was, who would, whoever was undefeated or the most recent undefeated team. And so they took that same concept from California and brought it to Kitts Beach and started, um, started challenge court, which was mostly for guys. Like, I mean, the net was always set at a men's net height, um, but girls weren't deterred from, from putting their name down challenge court. It was just very unlikely that uh, a woman's pair would, would win and take over challenge court. Anyway, so he started the KBVA and they've been running for about 24 years. And um, they did at, at certain points try to include a woman's side to their, um, to their events. But um, just with their, their format, they were kind of like, you show up the morning of an event and, um, and, and you basically register that morning. And so you kind of, it's like first come first serve. And um, yeah, I think um, there's a bit of um, differences when it comes to men and women, when we play volleyball, it's, I think in general, and this is a huge generalization, but women tend to be more organized. Like they want to know for sure that they're going to be playing. Otherwise um, they might, you know, change their mind and do something else. Um, and so the first time that Jim tried to include the women, it was, I think it just ended up, they ended up having some bad weather. And so not very many women showed up and, and the men were very consistent at showing up. And so he kind of, the men's side just grew so big that he never bothered to include women after that. And so, um, so then, uh, more, unofficially women started taking like two courts in the afternoon after the men were done their pool play. Um, Jim would say, Hey, like, yeah, these two courts are free. You guys can play. And so the women would kind of unofficially run their own mini event. And they, um, and this is all um, Joe, Joe Braun was the one that filled me in on this history. Cause this was before I had joined the Vancouver scene and, uh, but they would collect money from all the players and they, they would donate it to a local charity. And so it was a really just like a fun event for the women. Um, to try to compete um, on a weekend where there otherwise wouldn't be an opportunity. Um, so then 
uh, yeah, one day they decided, hey, like, let's actually do this legitimately. And so um, the, the original um, the original founders of the KWVC, so the Kids Latin Women's Volleyball Club, um, is are Steph Sloan, Joe Braun, Mari McDonald, and Mitra Shad. And so they founded it in 2016. So the guys had already been running for 24 years. And we started like, yeah, five, what's that, five years ago. Um, minus one season because of COVID. We didn't have a season last year. Um, but uh, yeah, they they got all the the legal paperwork done and it was quite a quite a process trying to start a start start a club and um and for me it was I was just so fortunate to like when I joined the kids volleyball scene in 2016 that was the first summer that the the KWBC was actually up and running and so um I never experienced the the pre-KWBC where where you'd only have a BBC event planned. So Volleyball BC was the only event that hosted both men and women because then every other weekend would be a KW or a KBVA event and that was only men's only. And so, yeah, they just realized that there wasn't um, an equal opportunity for women to compete at a high level. Um, And so they started, yeah, they started small with I think maybe two events in 2016 and then we just kind of grew from there. And as our membership increased, um, because we were always sharing the beach with uh, the men's event, uh, and there's a limited number of courts, uh, we kind of they kind of start giving us. I think we start maybe started at four courts, um, and then now when we have events now in 2021, we're we're 50-50 sharing the beach equally, which was like like huge kudos to the guys for letting us take half the beach because. I mean, they'd been running show for 24 years and it's so much harder to go from having full, full beach access and having these massive events to then having to give up half the beach to include the women. I think that's, it's a lot harder for that transition than for someone who is just starting to create their own league to go from, you know, two courts to four courts to six courts to now finally being like, okay, great. Now it's like 50, 50, um, promoting equality and, uh, fair play. And so it was really a community effort to get to this point. And um, it was definitely a lot of hard work from on the side of the board of directors, getting all the um, legal paperwork done, getting, staying on top of the finances. And yeah, it's a lot of work organizing, but it is a non-for-profit organization. And we definitely rely on our members to help any event run smoothly. So yeah, we ask members to show up early to help with setup and help us take down and um and then and then the money that their um membership money as well as their um playing fee for any event um all of it we try to give back to the players uh but some of it we we take to yeah pay for the insurance and pay for the equipment and stay on top of the logistics and um yeah and so it it definitely it wouldn't be possible without um that that communal effort and everyone at this point has seemed to be very um yeah very willing to help out because they just want you know like they're just like us board members like they just want to be able to play as much as they can and so um it's yeah it's very awesome in that sense 
Nice. Yeah. And just to clarify for our listeners, just the, the credit that I think the KBVA deserves is uh, I'm part of their Facebook group. And by sharing the permit or sharing the beach with you guys, now they've they've gone from this format where, like you said, you show up the morning of and you, you sign up and you play where now there's like a waiting list and there's like a threat if you cancel last minute, like you're going to be blacklisted that year that it it took a lot of sacrifices for both groups and just credit to the whole community in general to make this work because uh, you're right, they had a good thing going and they had a system, but they, they've adjusted that to make it more inclusive for everybody, which I think is awesome so with you being a player at this level just what's the need uh, of a group like this to kind of take over a beach and create more competitions because i think some other provinces around the country we rely on on the provincial sport organization or the territory sport organization to run everything is there just more ownership is there more pride is it just the chance that you want to compete as much as possible like what would you maybe say is is the need or the benefit of having these uh clubs or organizations run by the players like this yeah, I. It's hard for me to speak for other provinces because I haven't been because I don't really know what um, their systems are like. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just we um, we have the facilities and um, we have the number of players who are interested and willing to um, yeah commit their time to to growing the sport. And so um, I'm sure it's not unique to BC. Um, because I definitely felt that same um, need for growth when, when I lived in Victoria, um, just like the, the grass leagues. And um, start, like I, when I lived there, I also started a, um, an indoor women's league. And um, yeah, I think it's just, you, you just get involved and you just realize that people want to play more, but you just need that one person who is willing to, you know, take charge and say, Hey, let's make this official and let's um, let's, let's let's grow the sport and the awesome thing too is that now that beach has become um i would say become more of a thing nowadays with younger people starting younger kids starting to get involved way earlier like right now in bc we have so many like uh youth youth camps or uh what we call them just like training groups so side out beach thunder beach ducks beach and seaside volleyball club these are all um, lower mainland um, training groups for for youth, and these youngsters are just coming up. And now we have like the I call it the first wave of these kids who just have gone off to first year university. Whether some of them are going down to the states to play in in div whatever one to three beach programs, and some of them are just going to play indoor. But they all have such great. Um, beach skills because it's one thing to be a volleyball indoor volleyball player and then dabble at beach but if you have beach training and then you can translate that into your indoor game but then also be able to play beach in the summer it's like like these kids are so skilled and it most recently in our past event in our past kwbc event we had our youngest pair make it to the finals and kat patovic who you've had on your show and her partner lucy broski those are both um, side out beach girls and they are, yeah, they are officially now our, our youngest pair to ever make it to one of our finals. And I just imagine that they'll keep, they're just, they're coming and they're, they're like very skilled and it's very impressive to watch them um, compete against kind of the more experienced older women. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and another event that you've been a part of and taken some good results is the the Van Open. And we were talking before the show that, uh, yeah, I think that having uh, the Edmonton Three Star close by uh, helped some international teams like Harley from Brazil was there. The McKibben brothers, like there was some, uh, I think the Czech guys, maybe Czech two or three uh, came as well. Like there was some top international teams, but and there's always talks like, oh, Van Open's great. Why don't we turn that into a two or a three star? And, and don't get me wrong, it definitely could. Like that stadium court is fantastic and there's tons of people around. But what I love about the Van Open, just the the local spirit. And I think the Van Open is always going to be at its best if you have a local team playing on the last day. So with, with somebody like you who's gone through and taken a top five and a top 10 and seen these top teams come along, like what is the the local impression? What's your impression of the Van Open? Like, would you guys see that growing to an international event or, or is it the best thing about it is that it's local, it's competitive, that when you're not out you stick around like there's just this community spirit around the event totally and i think people um like come to these events because they know like that our like the local vibe that we set up is so like there's so much excitement over the van open and um when i first started playing in the event in uh must have been 20 2017 um it was still kind of on the smaller side where we would really only have local teams and maybe have a couple teams from like Seattle come and they weren't by any means like the top professional players. And then in, uh, must've been three years ago with COVID, it's like, you just have to add an extra year to every year (laughs) in your head. But, um, so natural solutions was one of, um, which is owned by Rob Pence. And he also supports our KWBC. He was also a sponsor for, for the NBVL and was the main sponsor for the Van Open, whatever, three years ago, where they their pot was like $30,000, which is the largest prize purse for any Canadian beach volleyball tournament. And that really attracted, I think that really got, well, we, they were able to, pr- I'm sure they were able to promote more with, with extra funds and that, that brought in like, Previous to that, Jamie Broder won the event with Denise Wooding, who is one of our who is one of our uh, local players, and it was just awesome to see her be able to play with an Olympian. And uh, they won that event that year against. I think they're in the finals. Was uh, yeah, was just a um, a pretty. They were obviously a really good team, but they were from Seattle, and they weren't a, like a national level team. And the following year, we had um, Taylor Pischke and Sophie Bukovic uh, win the event, and they they were a part, or they trained with our our national um, team for beach. And I actually, my partner and I got knocked out by them, um, and so we got a chance to play against them. And it was just like, like you just think you're <laughs> you think you're good at beach volleyball, and then you get put up against this team who have who are at that level and you just realize, wow, like I feel like we're playing two different sports. Like these girls are just so good. And so it's, um, yeah, it's, it was awesome to be like, Hey, yeah, we got knocked out by the girls who won the event and to be able to watch that level of volleyball, um, live on your home court in Vancouver on kids beach was, is just, it's just incredible. And the fact, like everyone who plays volleyball, all the volleyball enthusiasts, they're, they're in the stands and they're cheering and, Oh, it's just, it's so much fun. And we do, we hope it keeps growing. And um, I think at the rate we're going, I don't know if we're going to have any local teams winning the event. (laughs) But uh, at the same time, I think, I think we all love it because the 
closest we usually get to watching this level of play is if we go down to the States, you know, to the Seattle Open or the, um, to one of the, uh, like the AVPs hosted in California. And uh, so for that kind of level of volleyball to happen in our hometown is very cool. Nice. Well said. And just going down the list of your playing career and again, all the awesome stuff happening in the community. Uh, we, we've had Ben Saxon on the show twice and we even tried to run like a version of his league here in Toronto. And I thought the format was really good. And I, I kind of like his idea that beach volleyball, you start cheering for certain players. And I liked his concept that like sports, you, you turn into a fanatic if you're cheering for a team and having the concept of like a men and women's team working together to battle. And I love the overtime format he's got going on. So what was your first impression when you heard of the NBBL format and then just signing up as an athlete what was it like going through like the combine and the draft and eventually the league like uh, how did it kind of hit the community in a good way just going through like Ben's process of playing indoor beach and starting a league format yeah it was uh well it was very exciting in order to get an opportunity to play competitive beach in the winter time was like non-existent before before Ben created his NBBL and so yeah we were um I think it just started out just word of mouth. Uh, ben kind of asking when Ben and Grant O'Gorman, his partner, when they moved to Vancouver to start training here. Um, yeah, one, it was so cool to have have them a part of the kids' beach scene. Like they're always training there. So if you're down there training, you see them and they're training the court beside you. And you're like, wow, this is so cool. Like these are Olympic level players. And, um, and then just to, when you get to chance to talk to them, you just realize how down to earth both of them are and how easy they are to talk to. And, and yeah, so Ben was kind of like trying to get a feel for who'd be interested. And we were all like, oh yeah, like if you organize this thing, we're totally in. And so, um, yeah, so with the, with the draft and the tryout, it yeah, it was so exciting. We, we all got there on the first day and they give you uh, a tank top. So you're all um, wearing the same tank top and then they write a number on your arm so they can identify you as a player. And you're like, wait a minute, don't we all know each other here? <laughs> but uh, yeah, they made it, he made it very, very professional. The first day is um, we go through a bunch, a series of skills. So we have some, some stats on the player. So we do like a, a, um, a jump touch, they measure our height and we do like a T test and, um, it, yeah, it's just fun to have as an adult go through this kind of organized format. Cause I, without having played club or any legitimately organized volleyball in the past, like I'd never done this kind of testing before. I'm sure nowadays, like everyone does this testing and it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really phase people. But for me, it was like, wow, this is so cool. I've never done this before. And I'm sure a lot of actually the other girls who were, involved in the tryout a lot of the adult players who hadn't had the same um experience when they were younger they were all in the same boat being like wow this like we've never done anything like this before um and then the tryout itself like the volleyball aspect we just kind of they do like they take us through different um skill stations and then the all the sponsors are just around watching and so you feel like you're definitely on on display and you're like oh gosh like i have to you know I have to set every ball perfectly and I have to pass all these balls perfectly. And I, I really hope I get drafted and all these, you're like so excited, but at the same time, it's just like, okay, you're here to play beach volleyball. So just play beach volleyball. And so, yeah, the draft was super fun, especially in the inaugural year, because we had 
none of us had been a part of this before. And so, um, with a, just like, you know, like each sponsor gets, gets a certain amount of time to like make their decision. And based on who gets picked before you, you like have to change your pick. And so I'm sure they have a list of like who they would want first pick and then their list goes down from there. And so to be drafted, I was, um, yeah, I was just so thrilled. Um, in my first year I played with Joe Braun, who is, um, our, the president of our KWBC club. Yeah. And, and natural solutions actually was the first sponsored team that I, that we played for together. And so it was, yeah, it was cool just to have that experience to play for, to play for Rob's team and then for him to then come back and support our, our club was, um, was very cool. And I think it was, yeah, it was meant to be that Joe and I played together in that inaugural season because we were kind of, yeah, representing our club and, um, and then making sure that we got, uh, funding for the following year for our club. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm curious going through as a player, because in Toronto, we basically kind of masked it as as a training camp or a prep for the FIVB, because I think as a Canadian, it's really hard to get meaningful matches. So it it just so happened that when we ran it with Ben, like we we had to make some adjustments where you weren't drafted as an individual, you were drafted with the person you signed up with to kind of encourage some national team or provincial team athletes to sign up as like a a builder. But with, with the original format with Ben, I'm curious, how does that feel like going through as an athlete that you get drafted? And I believe in his format, uh, there's three players on a team. So I think the owner's choosing the pairs. So I, I think it's funny that in the beach community, usually you sign up with the person you want to play with and you're going through this tournament format where you're playing four, five, six matches a day. Well, now you're in a league format and you're going to play like one game that night and it's going to be a big deal and you better take care of it. And you're also paired with the team of the opposite gender that you're you're working together to get a win for your owner or your sponsor, right? So just those, those unique things that Ben kind of added to it. How did you kind of feel experiencing that as an athlete? yeah it was um it was i i i loved everything about it because it was it was competitive it was yeah trying to be inclusive for men and women and so not only was the volleyball aspect of it a lot of fun but it was it was the values um that ben instilled in this league were very much something that i was a proponent of and so um, to be a, to be a part of it, it was kind of just for me. It was kind of like you know, you're just you're playing volleyball. There's nothing else to it. But then when we got into the part where the men and women were actually like co-involved, so in in overtime, our team in that first year, I remember Joe and I went into quite a few overtimes, and um, to have the men's court right beside you and to have your court right next like we were at the men's court and the women's court were side by side and they would play a point and we would play a point depending on which side on the men's side got that previous point if if our team got the point then we would then we would get serve and if our team had lost the point then we would be on receive and yeah it was like it was so cool to just um to play with the men without actually playing on the same court as them because it was it's something that no one had ever experienced before. And then just like the, the community around us outside of, off the court. Um, so you had your, the third member of your team, usually just like on the sideline, they could act as the coach or they could just act as moral support, but it was just cool to have that extra person there and then have all of the sponsors and all the other players who weren't actually playing to be 
to be cheering you on from the sidelines. It was, uh, and then yeah, the fact that you only got to play one match and then, but then what that one match could turn into overtime. And so you can get extra, extra touches there. But uh, I've never been, never been in that scenario where it's just like, you just play one match. And especially when it comes to beach volleyball, like one, one match to our best of three game for one night. It was just like that lots of felt lots of pressure. But like I said before, like I arrive un- under pressure. I don't always perform and, um, and actually get the result I want, but I love that, that pressure of having to perform and trying to challenge yourself to step up and show up and, um, do the best you can for your whole team. And just realizing that you're not just playing for you and your partner, you're actually representing the sponsor and, and supporting your men's side and, and ultimately you're having fun. And, and once again, just to draw on your experience, did you have an opportunity to train with your new partner? Cause obviously it wasn't somebody you signed up with. It was somebody the owner matched you with. And then did you feel like this big team spirit? Cause obviously when you're going into overtime, you're cheering on the guys and there's some back and forth, but did you actually feel like you were part of this big team? Uh, even like, like I said, without the overtime set, was there still kind of a connection that you guys were th- this big squad and you were going to root for them, even though like, yeah, yeah, your results mattered. But I think Ben's impression of like, you guys represented an owner and you were going to be this big team dynamic, right? Totally. Yeah, I would for sure say so. It helped that we'd, like everyone involved was already, like we'd already been a part of the same community, like just the kids volleyball community. Um, and so uh, my partner and I had, we because we both lived in White Rock, we'd trained together lots already. Um, we would train at um, one of the high school beach courts once a week uh, and try to get whoever would come out because for her and I to drive all the way to kids is, yeah, especially at the times that people normally want to train, which is after work. And that's with during rush hour with traffic. It's just like such an ordeal to try to get down there at that time. And so for her and I to try to just recruit one Vancouver person to drive all the way down to White Rock to come play with us, because there was at least three of us in White Rock, including Zuza, the girl that originally introduced me to every to the whole community the three of us and plus one vancouver person and we'd train there once a week and it's like this is so great like commuting five minutes versus 50 minutes is so awesome and so her, her and i had played together lots and so we knew um each other's style of play and then the guys we just knew from from kids beach and uh, we didn't the four of us didn't do um any training sessions but i know other teams other teams uh did the other teams that could make it work and um and yeah, and so, and then, and then after, after playing, we would have a little social and, uh, so yeah, there was, it, ne- it never felt like we were like, it felt like it was just one, honestly, one giant community of beach volleyball players who wanted to compete and play hard. And yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very, um, fun experience. Nice, nice. And again, doing some research for the show, I, I have to ask, awesome Instagram name of Jazz Handsets Everything. That is, anyone who's ever played beach, that is quite the boost to give yourself. So I got to ask, are you using your hands, whether it's raining, whether it's windy, good pass, bad set? Like, are you going hands all the time? <laughs> That's hilarious. Actually, I was um, coaching the Seaside Club the other night because uh, Dave um, was a uh, couldn't couldn't do it and so he asked if I could sub and at the end of this session one of the kids was like one of my assistant coaches was like uh 
hey, you should you should tell the kids what your Instagram handle is. And I was like, oh, why is that? And I just because I've had it for so long, it just didn't really phase me. But um, yeah, funny story about my Instagram handle is that it, I got Instagram like not too long ago, like maybe like three years ago. And it was all so that I could enter a contest. And Mark Burke, who you had on your show as well, um, he set a, a contest where um, you record yourself peppering in the coolest place. And you put it on your Instagram and you tag all the right handles and you get a chance to win um, free training. And I'd actually gone down to Hermosa Beach and trained with Mark a few times already. Um, just like me and a couple of girlfriends would go down and um, organize a B&B and we would go and train at Hermosa Beach for a week just as a fun thing to do. This is our idea of a vacation. To me, that's like the ultimate vacation. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I was like, oh my God, Dave, like this is the competition that is meant for us. Like if we don't win this, like, I mean, we didn't actually, it didn't even cross my mind, occur to me that there was a chance that we wouldn't win this because Dave and I are pepper fit. Like we just, we pepper everywhere. Like there is nowhere we haven't pepper. And um, so I was like, okay, well, I got to get an Instagram handle in order for me to compete in this competition. And so one day I was like, okay, well, obviously my Instagram handle is going to be something volleyball related. And then it was probably Dave because he's quite the, the word, wordplay guy. And um, we, like I already, like my um, Facebook profile is Jazzy Jazz. And then I was like, okay, we could use jazz, jazz hands. Oh, jazz handsets everything. And at that point, I wasn't handsetting everything, but my goal was to handset everything. Um, and so I was like, you know what? You, I'm totally a believer in in what you manifest is what you can achieve. And so I was like, I'm. This is my Instagram handle. I'm gonna start handsetting everything. And this was back when there wasn't very much handsetting on the women's side. Little bit of a history is that on the women's side, we were a little bit more um, harsh with each other with handsetting because it was like no one was really doing it. And so if you did, if you were going to try and do it, it like it had to be perfect. And um, we just created, it kind of just like, we just had this unfair standard within uh, that we had self created with the, in the women's side. And since then it's gotten a lot better. And uh, yeah. And so for like, I think for the past four years, um, I just was like, I want to handset everything. And originally my intention was because my, bump setting was so bad that I was like, I have to handset because my bump setting is so bad. And I, I don't think I can get better at bump setting, which looking back is not a great thing to tell yourself, <laughs> but it did encourage me to start using my hands more. And, um, yeah, it was on and off on and off. I remember in the, in the Vancouver open of 2019. So the last one that happened, um, I just, my hands got called all the time and it was I like the refing was like they weren't very consistent in terms of what they were calling and what they weren't calling. And even the history of hand setting on the professional um, on the professional platform is changing. Like now you see it on the pro side, like like you can see like up to three rotations on a ball and they don't get called because they've they're evolving their standards of what qualifies as a good handset. And now they're saying that the spin is less of an indication. And so I remember in that event, we just had a, a ref that was calling so tight and he was just calling, he was calling based on rotation. And I was like, oh, this is so unfair. And I was like, 
this is a Van Open, like, what do I do? I can't just keep giving up points for hand, by handsetting and making all these handsetting errors that, that in my mind weren't errors. And so, um, yeah, I've definitely gone through a lot of, um, of that, like, intense pressure where you're like, where you start second guessing yourself because, like, your, your handsets are being called, but I'm like, oh, then I have to bump set. This is terrible. And, oh, just like the, the, the downward spirals that you would get into in a, in a game situation were so intense. And so I went back and forth. There were a few times where I was like, God, I have to change my Instagram handle to jazz handsets, nothing because <laughs> my handsetting is just in the toilet right now. And, um, after the year off from COVID, uh, I, again, Dave and I played a lot of pepper and, uh, Oh, we, we won that contest by the way. Um, we played pepper off the back of a moving, uh, van. So one of my good friends who I train with a lot, um, Cora Kellerman, um, she's from the States and, um, she was driving her, her van. And, uh, I sat in the back of the van and Dave was on a longboard and we peppered while driving the car while Dave was moving on the longboard. And, uh, and turns out we didn't actually have very much competition. And so we made like six peppering videos. We peppered in a movie theater. We peppered over an aisle in a grocery store. We went to the border crossing at Peace Arch and peppered there. Actually, that is a funny story. We almost got, um, we almost got detained at the border because we went to pepper and none of us had our IDs on us. And we had actually, none of us were even wearing shoes and they were like, what are these people doing? <laughs> um, so anyways, so long story short, uh, at this point I do handset everything and I am very, I'm like, uh, yeah, I couldn't be more thrilled to finally after whatever five years, finally be just a strict handsetter and, this season, I've only played in two events, and uh, I mean, wind often is not a factor for me in terms of hand setting. Uh, but haven't played in much rain. Rain would rain would definitely be a different could could be a different story. But um, haven't been in a situation where I've, I've challenged myself there. But I'm feeling like now it's like ninety nine percent of the time I'm gonna hand set that ball. Nice. Yeah. It's great to hear your process through that. And I, I won't try to speak for my co-host on Shark Pets, Garrett May, because it's just a dangerous thought. But I enjoyed when we heard from his dad that uh, when Garrett was learning how to play, his dad told him that if you get called on hands, you have to handset the next ball. Like we need to have the attitude that you are so confident in your hands that you're going to go for it. And even here in Ontario, when I worked for OVA, uh, we made a rule that as long as the athlete was like square and facing that uh, I think it was 16 U and under, if the ball had spin, we weren't going to say you're gaining an advantage. So an advantage to hit a spinning ball we just wanted kids to have the freedom to try it because yeah i totally experience what you're feeling about like if the ref's calling you tough all of a sudden you put your hands away which is it's an advantage in our sport it's a tactic i think there's a certain hitters that would tell you flat uh, like 10 out of 10 times they'd rather hit off a hand setter than a bump setter right so yeah. it's just yeah. not encouraged when you're learning and you got to go through those growing pains but it's great to hear your process and your confidence through it that uh if you invest time and in it, it'll it'll pay off eventually but you gotta you gotta deal with some tough moments i think yeah, exactly. And then you have to have a partner who is really understanding too. <laughs> yeah, there's another layer to it for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us all that you did. But uh, one thing we've built into a nice little tradition on this show is just to tell a, a funny or unique story. So obviously, we've heard your process about how, you know, you didn't play club, but you've still built yourself into a heck of a player who's, you know, playing Volleyball BC, NBVL, Van Open. Uh, you're playing with the KWVC, like you're doing all this great stuff in the volleyball community. But man, something odd or funny must have happened along the way, maybe better than the border crossing story, which is a pretty good one to hint at. But uh, I was hoping you could give us one more laugh before we let you go. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I was actually talk, thinking about this this morning and uh, finally decided on a story. Uh, but so two, must have been two summers ago, uh, Dave was the head coach for Team BC, a Team BC youth group, and we take them down to, or they take them, he takes them down to California um, to do some training and to play in an event. And so last year there was a, um, an AVP, an AVP next tournament that we took them down to. I actually went as a female chaperone because uh, Dave and Sven were the head coaches and they were taking both the guys, the, the boys and the girls. And so um, they were like, yeah, like just if you pay for Jazz's um, flight, you don't have to pay for anything else. She'll come down and be the chaperone and probably do some coaching for free because I'm just that kind of person. Uh, I love, I love coaching the young, the young, um, the young up and comers. And so we took these kids down and we were playing. It was like the last match of, um, the first day of the AVP next, or it might've been AVP. Anyway, that's a AVP youth, youth tournament. And so you get pretty down the States, as you probably know, like the, the families who take their kids onto beach take it pretty seriously like very seriously like these girls are like training every day after school like just the amount of training that I couldn't even imagine doing and um so my girls were playing against a couple of these girls who were were clearly like their their dad who was their coach was very much grooming them to you know be um I don't know the next olympians or whatever so they were taking it seriously. And I mean, we were taking it seriously too. And so I was the coach under the tent and the dad was the coach under the tent on the other side. And, um, yeah, I was kind of, I mean, I was, I wasn't coaching them cause I knew you weren't allowed to coach them while they're playing, but I have this tendency to get really excited for my players and I like to encourage them. And so I'd been doing this throughout the entire tournament and no one had said anything to me where I would just kind of like, you know, if a good play happens, I would, I would cheer them on and I would, and I would clap and I would just be encouraging them as a more so as a, a, a fan than a coach. Like I was definitely not giving coaching advice. And anyway, so on goes this game there, there, they lose the first, my girls lose the first set. I'm pretty sure. And at this point I'd still been just doing my regular cheering and it was late in the game or late in the day. And so energy was pretty low. So I was kind of trying to inject my energy into the court and uh, yeah, first set goes on, I'm doing my thing and no one's saying anything we lose. And then the second set, uh, my girls kind of like pick up their energy and I'm still doing what I've been doing the whole time. And my girls start playing better and they're actually starting to beat these other girls. And then, and then the, the dad on the other side, just, he just starts basically like accusing me of, of cheating by, by encouraging my girls. And so we get to a point where he's actually yelling out coaching tips to his kids 
while I'm just cheering on my girls and we take them to a third set and we actually end up winning and he just, the dad just loses it. He like, he's like going up to the down official being like, you're getting fired, pointing to the ref being like, you're getting fired. Like this, this team is cheating. Like this, this coach can't do what she's doing. And anyways, my girls were thrilled because yeah, they probably, it was definitely an upset. Like the opponents were, they were quite good. And yeah, you know, I mean, I give myself a little bit of credit. Like I was, I was quite encouraging and being um, very high energy. And uh, anyway, so we just, we all had a laugh about it and not so funny for the other team, obviously for, for those reasons. And I, and a part of why the other team wasn't successful is because their dad was getting so intense. I think they, you know, you don't play as well when you're under pressure. And of course they see my girls just getting positive reinforcement the whole time. And they're getting yelled at from their sideline and combine those two. And you have, you know, we just kind of had the perfect recipe for success. And anyway, so then like we were just all laughing about it because they're like, yeah, of course jazz would do the thing that she's not allowed to do kind of known for that. And uh, the next day I got pulled into the, pulled into the tent by the head ref guy being like, so I had, so someone had a complaint about you and here I am, I'm not even an official coach being lectured by the the head ref. And he was actually really, he was really nice. He was so chill about it. He was like, you know, we've had history with this guy and we know what he's kind of all about, but yeah, but the unwritten rule down in California is that you don't as a coach cheer for your team. And I was like, okay, great. Like if someone had told me that I wouldn't have done it. Um, and he was like, yeah, I figured that. And we like, we know where this guy is coming from. And so anyway, so my kids, uh, my kids appreciated it. And, uh, and now the ongoing joke is that, that, uh, jazz almost got kicked, got the Canadians kicked out of the U S for, uh, for cheering for her team. (laughs) And, uh, that's my funny story. (laughs) Well, Jazz, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time and sharing all that you did because it's just cool to hear about your journey and just add another layer to the uh, Vancouver beach scene and just the BC beach scene in general because I think there's a lot of great people who contribute to it and it was great to have you on and hear about your journey and everything that you've done for the sport and obviously we'll have to have you back on because I'm sure there's lots more to come. Yeah, oh, I would I would, I would, would love that and yeah, I could talk for hours and hours and hours about volleyball. Well, we actually, we didn't even mention uh, my career, which we were going to talk about, but that's okay. Um, Cliffhanger I, for the next one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Josh. You are, you're doing such a good job of, um, yeah, having interesting people on your show and asking really great questions and just, yeah, promoting to promoting volleyball on more of a national scale because you're kind of interviewing people all across the country. Well, awesome. Thanks again. And like I said, uh, we'll, we'll give a teaser for the listeners, but I think we've, we've given them all they can handle for now and we'll have to be back on soon. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much.